0: I doubt if there is any problem social, political or economic that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual undertaking.
1: I was, um, remember when Y2K was the thing? Um
2: well, I have a memory of midnight uh, on January or December 31 night, I do remember that night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to my dad about this. I was like, dad, is our computer going to get destroyed or something? I was like, yeah. I forget how old I was. I was very young. Yeah. I still remember everyone freaking out. Like Y2K was going to be a thing. Yep. All the computers were going to crash. Internet was going to just go into the toilet right it's like our computer doesn't even have internet <laughs> it's like a <laughs> computer i got from work that they were throwing out i was like
2: okay. not connected to the internet not,
1: it'll be fine <laughs> yeah oh that's funny that's a weird that's
2: like, yeah
1: that was such a weird time when everyone thought because the internet is such an important part of our lives in 2000 it's going to destroy everything and yeah. now it's like 23 years later it's like <laughs> and now it's Literally taking over. (laughs) (laughs) We were just like, man, it's like
2: the Ron Paul. I tried to warn you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Back then we thought it couldn't handle, you know, we thought it was going to crash because like it couldn't handle the fact that like we were turning over to a year with three zeros in it. Now it's like, it, like writing uh essays for us and yeah, exactly. like and so yeah
1: that's, that's that's gonna be the next like in 20 years it's gonna be the next like the next generation's alex jones it's like oh well, you see the lizard people actually averted y2k and we all thought it was a good thing but that was okay. to put us on a trajectory of ai uh dominance it was the ai's going back from the time in 2050 to stop Y2K Terminator style. That's what happened. It was supposed to happen. It was supposed to put us back into the 1950s. It was supposed to save us from the oncoming onslaught of AI dominance. And they stopped it with time travel or something like that. I don't know. That's, that's
2: That was beautiful. That could get clipped and put on like TikTok, Thomas. That was pretty good. That was
1: amazing. <laughs> no, then are going to be like,
3: what happened? Did Alex Jones not have lung cancer? That sounds a little bit high-pitched. oh man but uh oh my god yeah
1: just that's like when you think about it, like what if what if what if there was some deep plot by like some ai deep state Mm. that's averted y2k with a time traveling device and they were like all the computers are actually gonna fry and we need to stop this I don't know how the causality of that works, but yeah, t- the who's time who's line... causality ever mattered for time travel movies or stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the the rules are very nebulous on how time travel works in the movies, yeah. um, because if you got to the year 2050 without the time traveler going back to stop it, then how do they get What's to that? the year 2050? Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know. It's a but I like the idea.
1: I, I like the idea. That would, be, <laughs> um, that would actually be kind of a funny. Like, I should. Yeah. Hey, now somebody's going to listen to this. Probably our Croatian listeners going to listen to this and be like, "Oh, that's right. I'm going to write a novel about this. That's right. Or, or I would like like a Matrix spinoff kind of movie, or like
2: um, a I mean, Inception movie kind of deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Y2K was actually a conflict between like the humans of 2050 trying to destroy the machines. Yeah and the ai which was trying yep. to avert y2k and we're all just sitting there in 2001 being like oh wow computers yeah. didn't fry yeah let's go up and then it's and like no <laughs> humanity was doomed
3: monsters <laughs> maniacs. what have you done <laughs> have you, all? you ruined
1: it <laughs> never seen that see that movie is that from um Planet of the Apes with Charles. Oh, that him. move. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah like, I thought you were referencing. Um, you- oh, isn't that also from um, Archer? No, well, yeah, Archer's taking it from. Planet oh, of the Apes. he is. Okay. That's Krieger's yeah. line. He's taking uh, okay. it. Yeah, it's like um, how they do the Danger Zone. They're, yes, they're stealing, that's yeah, right. It's okay. Yeah,
0: you monsters! Yes,
2: um. Speaking of maniacs, how about these uh, Republicans? I don't
1: know anymore. I have no comment. No comment. Yeah, we're we're a... some bread. I have my circuses. Give me my <laughs> yeah, there you go. Can we uh, still get uh, some stimmy checks over here, even if yeah. there's not a speaker of the house, so we can enjoy this better? <laughs> <laughs> so I need more money on the predicted markets. Can you pass a quick stimmy of like five hundred bucks so I can put more money on gambling on who's going to be the next speaker of the house? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. We're circuses, bro. Come on, let's go. The latest scuttlebutt.
2: That, so we're recording this on Jan 6, um, two hours away from the next vote. Is it? They're going to vote tonight. They're going to vote tonight. So what happened? There were two Republicans who were not in DC today. Um, <laughs> they were off doing. They didn't say what. So they're waiting. They had to wait for them to come back. They had votes earlier today, and obviously, it didn't work out. So, they're like, let's adjourn till 10. So, the other two Republicans can get back. McCarthy claims that he has the votes now. That's he claims he does. I don't, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, I think like 12 of the defectors voted for him in the last um one, but he still didn't have enough votes. Did
1: Chip Roy flip? Good question. I don't know actually. I think that's a, I think he did because I remember C-SPAN yeah. talking about the ones who were still holdouts, and it was Bobert. Yeah. Um, who I heard someone describe her as she's like that annoying mom at the little league game who yeah. just like won't shut up. And yeah. as I saw that in my head, I'm like, her, and her, I was thinking to myself, her son's name is Colton. Yeah, that's, was, that, that she is. She is the woman at. The, the little league baseball who game. harasses the umpires and exactly yep. because she's too American for her kids to play soccer, mm-hmm. um, and she's going no league, no stop, stop, stop. no Clancy! no
0: Clancy!
1: <she's a> oh man Dude, so gates like <laughs> nominated Trump
2: that was uh you know just more of the clown world kind of stuff that was uh you know um yeah because technically anybody can be uh Speaker of the House kind of like Pope any Catholic can be Pope um well, which what would happen if you're married? I think because it's technically allowed. Like what I think that you you're still able to do it. I think you would just have to be like a very rare case. But because you have married priests uh, I see. now, I don't know about married bishops, because even in the east, that's not allowed. Yeah. You have to be a bishop to be the
1: bishop of Rome. Usually. Well, usually the bishop comes from uh, the monastic circles. Right. They don't draw it from their uh, what we call diac diocese. Right. So
2: I don't. I think it's technically not forbidden. Okay, um, but I think it's obviously rare, if or you know never have ha- never has happened. Um, but I, I, one kind of funny quote, and obviously this is not an apples to apples comparison, mm-hmm. but it took less ballots to get JP two elected <laughs> than it's taken <laughs> Kevin McCarthy to get the speakership. Um, and if you know anything about papal conclave history j p two's election was very contentious um mm-hmm. because exactly. the yeah, the French mm-hmm. contingent and the Italian contingent were had enough of the block voting blocks that neither of them could get their guy through and the French were tired of Italian popes uh so they were like just blocking every Italian attempt mm-hmm. um and so the poll Carvoitiwa was like the uh, the candidate that both sides could agree on.
3: Uh, okay.
2: Now, obviously, Holy Spirit. You know, he was holy. You know, holy man. I think Holy Spirit was probably, you know, almost certainly. working yeah, Um, but yeah, it took fewer ballots to overcome the French Italian ecclesial uh, battle, then the Republic's, mm. Republicans can't even come to an agreement on the speaker of the house. Who's not even going to be like speaker maybe in two years.
1: Alone, oh, probably like, not. Probably not. <laughs> like, we had like a system like the we had a system, like, um like Britain we'd have, like we'd run through um, speaker of the house is faster than Liz Truss or something. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh man, all right. churning through them. Like, yeah. Well,
2: you know if, next? if we had a British system, we'd be getting close to a snap election based on like where things are at. <laughs> That's true. Like, <laughs> Absolutely true. You know, like it's Absolutely true. they uh if I mean McCarthy's having to do a lot of horse trading. There's even talk that he's gonna try and like give moderate democrats like chairmanships or like chair different committees. <laughs> in order to like get them to come over um, That's
3: amazing
1: yeah so fun stuff could you imagine if like if trump was the prime minister and he was in the house of commons arguing from <laughs> oh that'd be beautiful. <laughs> it been amazing oh, it would have been like man. it would have been like yeah i'm tuning what are you tuning into another session of congress this is yeah. great oh yeah bernie oh, sanders
3: call him a loser hangs out in vermont don't know what he's doing up there it's got one of his three houses. He's trying to tell me that we need to like raise taxes while we raise taxes in one of your houses, Bernie. Bernie. Labour, <laughs> it's weak. <laughs> Tony Blair, nobody cares about Tony Blair. Tony Blair, is is sad. <laughs> say they say I should be the king. They say <laughs> that old woman. She doesn't do anything. She just sits there. She just has her stupid dogs. What? Do, who cares about those dogs? Nobody. You could step on those dogs. It doesn't even matter. You know. What? I like. I like greyhounds. They're fast the best little jeremy corbin (laughs) can't even get his party together sad (laughs) you know what we are gonna bring back so much worse in the falklands i tell you so much worse we're gonna bring back the western falklands (sighs) pathetic argentina we're gonna make it great again (laughs) oh man you know, uh yeah you know it is sure
1: I, I, I that happens
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, you watching know the- I, I really who's going to be your job uh, so who, who's going to be your your chief of, uh, chief of the military uh uh prime minister trump uh captain price wonderful guy saved the world so many times racked up so many kills i think we should put him in he's a great guy Someone, can we get him on the phone can we put him in chief of staff here where's it's captain the- price Oh, he got killed. (laughs) So,
2: speaking of Trump's cabinet, did you see? I saw on Twitter that John Bolton is going to be making a run for the Republican nomination.
3: (laughs) Actually, I saw that today. I was in a group chat with James and John. (laughs) They mentioned that.
2: That's going to be John Bolton on the same stage
1: (laughs) with Donald Trump. With
2: with the Don is going to be prime time television
1: oh my gosh oh man me, it's as long as they get another stimmy so i can like do you know yeah. degenerate gambling while, while you're while you're watching while public it. burns like, like
2: like while while trump's making fun of bolton's mustache you've <laughs> got to be able to like
3: tie weak who wears a button down pathetic pathetic
2: what kind of a man has a mustache shave it off <laughs> like
3: yeah, they say that he should shave a diff just so under his nose, because that's how much invasion he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man. So um yeah, that's the news uh, for the most part, or the American news, and then um uh man. I'm bring bring back the beer pot. That's the real news. Oh, beer was. pot has returned.
1: I haven't when was the last time we had the beer pot? It's been a while. I think last time was when Michael was on, so it's been a while. Wow. That's a that's a really good under yeah but we'll get michael on eventually we will he's preoccupied
2: i'm sure everyone misses him we miss him
1: Here i you. miss him i don't miss him he's a crazy man crazy person sitting there with this stupid fish He probably <laughs> has to take care of his fish he's probably buying a shark that's what he's doing he's probably what buying a shark. he it. has a shark that'd be pretty cool he needs to come back on the podcast yeah he needs to talk about a shark um no no no, no. he's still re-watching she-hulk <laughs> <laughs> Of course, <laughs> he's really like, no, I'm, just, I'm just like doing a deep dive on the, yeah. like, oh, geez, piece of on that. the,
2: on the cultural implications of this,
1: uh, <laughs> I'm writing, a re- writing a major review paper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Deconstructing. It's <laughs> Deconstructing.
2: She-hold. Um, uh, but, uh, in the somber news, uh, his holiness, uh, Pope Benedict the 16th has passed. Yeah. Um, May, may, you know, turn a light shine upon him and uh, Mm. may he pray for us. And uh, Mm. I, you know, I had, uh, you know, moments where, you know, we've talked a lot about the Latin mass on this podcast. Sure. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Even though none of that would have been possible without his work. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I get to take my kids to the Latin mass and they get to experience it is, you know, because of his, his vision, his leadership, his writings, and everything like that. So, you know, eternally grateful for his work on that.
1: Yeah, um, no, I agree. yeah. Because really, I am not am not a theologian um, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Although I do deal with a lot of like theological topics. Um, and it was from listening to um, <clears throat> Catholic stuff. You should know I was in correspondence with uh, one of the priests there. Yeah, and he recommended one of Rotzinger. It was Erzman Erz- Erz- von, Erz- von Balthazar's work on Mary, and also yeah. uh, Benedict's. And that was like the, really the first time I had read Benedict. And I was like, wow, I like Benedict could go through one scriptural story about yeah. the Blessed Virgin and draw more theology out of that than I ever thought possible. Yeah. And just like, just like the understanding of Mary as a prophetess. Yeah. In these different scenarios. I'm like that. Wow. And then he'd yeah. explain it. I don't remember exactly the whole intricacies of the argument, but you sat there. You're like, man, like this guy, this guy knew what he was doing.
2: Oh yeah, I mean he certainly out of the modern modern Catholics, I there are very few who probably uh, deserve the title, um, uh, Doctor of the Church. I mean yeah. he, his body of work is is amazing. I, I wanted to so you, you know the Facebook page Chad from the parish council. Mm-hmm. So yep. they took a, a a a passage from the the gospel of luke but it's the dewey rames version or the dewey rames translation Mm -hmm. and so the passage is from uh luke one and it says and mary said my soul doth magnify the lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in god my savior because he hath regarded the humility of his handmaid for behold from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed because he that is mighty hath done great things to me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is from generations unto generations to them that fear him. And the footnote in the Dewey Reigns after shall call me blessed is these words are a prediction of the honor which the church in all ages should pay the Virgin Mary. Let Protestants ima- examine whether they are in any way concerned in this prophecy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a yeah. That's a that's a good old Dewey Rames. Uh, type yeah, a little
2: Dewey Rames footnote there. Yeah, like, that's uh yeah. A back much. when the church didn't care about certain <laughs> people's
0: feelings.
1: Exactly. Back when we uh, kind of let the freak flag fly a little that's bit. That's right. <laughs> oh man, but I even saw some Protestant theologians talking about Rotzinger or oh, yeah, but like they talked about him as Ratzinger, which makes yep. sense. I mean, we're talking about yep. him as the theologian. Talking about Miss Rod Singer, but yeah, no. Um, my old MA advisor had had an actual personal story about Rod Singer uh, because maybe I've told, I might have told him the podcast before, but I mean, it was a long so. time ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, any yeah. new listener doesn't even know what the beer pot is—the beer pot of legend. So I can tell this story again. Um, but so my old advisor was trying to do work on the Inquisition in Italy mm-hmm. and the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith was previously in a different time, around the time of the Dewey Reims, was known as the um, Roman Inquisition. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Again, that, that that's the basis. So that was the name of it. <laughs> this is the basis, the Roman Inquisition, right? Um, but now we call it the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. Um, and so the secret Vatican Secret Archives, which everyone's like, oh, the secret, arch-, I'm like, I'm sure you could probably get in there as long as you had a letter of introduction and you had an explanation for why you need to do research there. It's not like they're... Yep. I just, I'm a little skeptical that they're actually hiding something there. Yep. But this, the CDF's archives are not in the Vatican secret archives. <laughs> they're they're even more the secret. Vatican, <laughs> they're not in the Vatican library system because yep. if you're looking at St. Peter's, the, um, as far as I, yeah, this is what I, could, if someone knows better, email us and tell me I'm wrong. But as like the de facto expert on this, I'll just pontificate on it. If you're looking at St. Peter's on the right side, where there's all the buildings up, Mm-hmm. hi there's the one picture of the blessed virgin that's illuminated yeah if you go that way to the porto angelo then you can go up the hill to the vatican library and archive complex up there to the right of saint peter's okay i'm going to go to the cdf it's on the left side and it's kind of over it's kind of behind the colonnade where the gift shop is just like right across okay and so it's on they're on separate sides of vatican city yeah. So my advisor, my old MA advisor, he, he was doing some research and he wanted to get access to the CDF's archives, the Roman Inquisition from the medieval or early modern period. And he, he, he kept on emailing them and being good Italians, they just ignored him. <laughs> they just <laughs> never responded. <laughs> They're just like, no, F off, go away. <laughs> look at our archives. Um, and he had heard from other rumors that Rotzinger, who was running it at the time, he always crossed St. Peter's Square around like six a m mm-hmm. and if you he would talk to you if you like kind of grabbed him and said, "Hey, you know, yeah, part your eminence rodzinger um and so my advisor hung out in St. Peter's Square at like five thirty looking around for roddzinger, and then lo and behold, he was actually walking across the square, like everyone said he we did yeah. stopped him and explained it. His situation to him and Rotzinger. he said, "I was like, oh, what was he like? He's like, he was really accommodating. He was really nice, and he's like, okay, well, email this per like talk to this person or blah blah. blah. Maybe this is actually probably before email. I take that back. I just yeah, like send a letter. I just inserted like modern technology into this. it was probably a phone call or a letter. Yeah, he's like, send it to this person. I was like, oh, so did you did you get in? He's like, no. (laughs) Still (laughs) (laughs) didn't. I was like, oh, it's still that was the redirect. (laughs) Cool Rotzinger story. Oh yeah.
2: yeah." Get it no. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Fine. So. Well, and I will also say, you know, for all of the you know, for everybody's um, you know, during his pontificate, everybody made a lot of hay out of like, oh, he's anti-Muslim he's like this, that, like they really tried to paint him to be this uh, uh, draconian like dogmatic person. But when you saw who showed up to his funeral and i was listening to the wtn you know like listing of all the different groups that showed up it was a very diverse group of people all the orthodox churches really? sent representatives really the italian jewish union and the italian muslim union sent representatives huh. and a lot of the protestant churches did as well so i you know your point being he was a respected theologian in christianity and i think that people all like he wasn't as um, the character of him that people tried to paint. I don't Emperor think Palpatine. was the reality of people who actually had to deal with him.
1: Yeah. Emperor um, Palpatine.
2: Yeah. Emperor Palatine, and all that. And then the, the, um, what did they, what was that show? Um, the two popes, mm. I, which I've heard I haven't seen it, but I've heard really paints him to be this, uh, the caricature
1: of Benedict. So, and not actually him. like there was a major news article that actually used an image from the two popes. To just, it was like no, that's like literally the dude from the Silence of the Lambs. Like, yeah, what, like you know that's, that's that's not. Come that's on, not, like Google yeah. search this real quick, guys. Like, yes, man. Uh, that's weird. Trust so, American media. Just went up. Yep. Well, and then so I
2: I had try you know I do my best to try and like have multiple sources of news because I don't want to be you know one source. Um, so I had NPRs, um, like hourly news updates in my podcast, you know, lineup so that whenever I'm like, all right, let's see what's happening in the world. I could pull up the latest one Mm -hmm. and they were giving their news update that Benedict had passed and they were kind of giving like a wrap up of his life. And it's like, it was so negative. It's like, guys, like, and you know, when like, there's that joke about how, like when Castro died, like the New York times, like (laughs) hailed him as like this here. It's like, yep. Benedict didn't kill a single person, <laughs> like <laughs> almost yeah. certainly. like even when he was like a Hitler, like I don't even know if even then, like yeah. even like it's why How is old it
1: was he at that time?
2: I think he was like 14 or like maybe 15, maybe 15. He was very young and he deserted. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. He deserted. It was in the end. It was like at the very end of the war when oh. like they were pulling like kids younger than 16 and putting them at the front. He ended up deserting and ended up in a POW camp. Um, But uh, and then he also tells a story that while he was deserting, he came across two German soldiers who were like looking for deserters and they let him live Hmm. uh, because the way he describes it, they were kind of sick of everything, too. They weren't going to basically they didn't want to be murderers for a lost cause is the way he describes it. Wow. Um, and, uh, so he, he lives that through that ordeal and then, um, goes to an American, I think it was an American POW camp. Um, and then, uh, well, and then they also tell the story that like his family was persecuted pretty heavily by the Nazis because his, um, dad was pretty fairly openly objecting to the Nazi party. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even though they didn't end up, you know, uh, all murdered by the Nazis, like they were harassed and they, you know, their lives were made more difficult. Um they were Bavarians, which is, you right. know, um so yeah, I know
1: we're I, I don't want to like you know get too deep into the no. But yeah. Something I didn't know. Yeah. And I had like I knew there is that there was that who's like part of the Hitler youth. I'm like, yeah, I was assuming he was like 10 or something. Yeah. So, great. Yep. Yeah. Because everything a 10 year old really has yeah. like a great impact on when they're like 40 or something yeah
2: and when somebody's got a gun to your head what do you like you know it's really difficult when you're 10 to like um and yeah so he's he'll remain in blessed memory um and yeah like i said do you think he's canonized i'm still of the opinion now okay so do i think he gets canonized i'd say yes do i think he should be canonized in our lifetime no
1: yeah I think I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want, man, I, I'm worried I'm actually going to say something heretical here, <laughs> yeah, yeah but like JP2 is canonized, right? And part of me goes, eh, I don't know, would it have hurt if it had taken a little bit longer? I don't know. No. I, I hope that's, if it's, if this is heretical, I recant of that. If it's no not, Well, I would say, I mean,
2: I, I think we've had this debate on the podcast in the past where prior to JP2's pontificate, there was a significant waiting period. Yeah. for canonization. Um and I think the church had a certain amount of wisdom in maintaining that um mm-hmm. where they would say they want a local like they want a natural um uh, that they want the church to naturally kind of come to terms with the person's um interventions in the church's life I think I, I mm-hmm. like basically they don't want to force it and they want yeah. people to be praying for their intercession kind of in a natural way and miracles to happen and kind of it to progress naturally. Um, yeah. and, they, and canonizing your successor is also kind of an interesting political move yeah. um, or not canonizing your successor is also an interesting
1: political move. Yep. Um, so or I, <laughs> the case of Louis the Ninth, canonizing your political enemies' forefather yeah as a way of uh making peace not that i yes. don't think Louis the ninth wasn't probably a very good wholly upstanding human being but you know yep. like it, like bill the fourth kind of does have a gun to Boniface the Eighth's head in many yes. different ways he's like yeah like yes. well, let's make up I'll, I'll canonize your granddad or great granddad yep. or something we'll we'll call it good it's like Makes we'll sense. call it good until i send a posse of like angry mm-hmm. like Dissatisfied, angry Italians and French after you at Anani, <laughs> they're, right? They're gonna smash. They're gonna punch you in the face. Yep. Like, <laughs> like.
2: like oh. So, so that's my response to that. Where yeah. I would not be upset because it does. Like to me, a, a Pope Benedict, he doesn't need the Church to get him into heaven. So it's not as if like he's waiting. For oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse
1: me, Taylor yeah. Marshall's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait. large.
2: Well. I, I just said something heretical. Does the Lamp and Liquor podcast believe in the salvific power
1: of
3: the oh, church? Oh man, that well, was. I'm yes. going oh, to man. read to
1: you Acts so and so. Like, oh man, that Taylor, was, We misspoke here. We misspoke. <laughs>
2: um, the church does. Benedict (laughs) does not need the church to canonize him to get into heaven. (laughs) That's what I meant. (laughs) That that is what I meant.
1: Yeah, lamb of liquor 2023. We're just going straight to abject heresy. We're we're just, yeah, we're just at the end of the year. We're just like, you know, I really think Richard. Hawkins makes more sense than Christopher Hitchens. I, I really, I really think that. You know? like, just, we're just straight up atheists. Like,
2: oh, that'd be crazy. Um, what happened? Um, but um, so yeah, that's that's my. It's like yeah, we're not we're not going to. There's nothing that, um, you know, praying for his intercession, praying for him if he's in purgatory. You know, you don't want to assume things, so definitely pray for him, um, and then pray for him to pray for us, but. The whole canonization process, especially for a influential theologian whose theology is still playing out to a certain extent, um, I think is something that you want to approach delicately is what I'll say. And
1: and I also still think we're not going to sort out everything that's happened with the sex abuse for another 50 years.
2: Yes. Yep. We got to wait for everything to come out on that. A hundred percent.
1: Yep. We might wait a hundred years for everything to come up.
2: But well, and I wouldn't yeah. be opposed to a hundred years for somebody. I, I mean, really, yeah. like if, if Benedict's. Well, see, and like when, I, one thing I think we've kind of lost track of in our very fast-moving um, society is like the works of Aquinas and Augustine. Like, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I've mm-hmm. said this in the past, and you you've corrected me. Wow. But if um, but but I might be misremembering in Aquinas's time. He was not a hundred percent accepted by every element of the church as being like the solitary source for like this is the guy you need to listen to for the yeah. of the church. Yeah.
1: No, that's that's definitely yeah. true because, well, I don't know about during Aquinas' own lifetime, but I know yeah. that Leo the Thirteenth, like when you have CUA has a bunch of scholastic um right. philosophers, it's really because of Leo the Thirteenth really yeah. cementing Aquinas. In the 19th century, as like yep. this is going to be the dude. Like, yes, and that's not to say that Aquinas doesn't have influence like into the early modern period. Yeah, but I also think it's it's incorrect to see Aquinas's legacy as just like one unbroken, yeah, string of just trampling everyone else <laughs> for like <laughs> right. top dog status. Like <laughs> oh, there, there's there's yeah I, actually yeah. I, I yeah, go ahead, nurse.
2: No, no you, so yeah, exactly. So if you know, I would love it if you know, in a hundred years, if Benedict's theology stands the test of time and, you know, he becomes, his work is placed alongside that of Aquinas and Augustine Mm -hmm. and, you know, these guys, you know, all these great doctors of the church. I feel like that has such a uh, huge impact that if you can, if your work remains as influential over centuries of time.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Aquinas dies in 1274. I just looked okay. it up real quick. When do you think he was canonized? I had to guess. Dies in 1274. I think mean, it's buried ah, in Protestant. Heck, or, yeah. Or Protestant. So he dies in
2: 1274. You know, I am. I'm going to just throw a shot in the dark and just say like 1700s is the... no.
1: That's too far. 1323.
2: Okay. 1320. Okay. okay. So, so but
1: what 50 years yeah which is a it's that's not, a decent amount. yeah it's
2: fine yeah all of his contemporaries have probably passed away for the most part yeah um maybe some young guys are around who knew him like yeah. real young years like, yeah
1: they're 70s now
2: yep like real young monks who may maybe knew who he was or older they're in their senior yeah bit. but like all of his teachers and all of his direct people who are with him are have all passed
1: no, I, again, I, yeah. If it was fifty yeah. years, I wouldn't. But no. and again, I do still think like it is important to know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Again, I don't know the whole situation of what does the person at the very top of the organization know about abuses that's happening yeah. underneath him? Does he know like what exactly? Because I haven't looked into it as much. But again, you can always say that maybe the person who's at the top of the organization doesn't know everything. Maybe yeah. they don't. Maybe they do. Maybe they pushed under the rug who knows yep. but it would be nice to get more into the clear it with would. that whole period of the church and all the people who were in power in the church and who know who knew what and yep. who made which decisions before we go and kind of are like well it's like cool so let's get him he was a pope and yeah, yep. we've just been canonizing popes since like 1950 like willy-nilly yep. <laughs> so let's maybe let just don't slow down you know i yeah it, and still think, ask for their intercession you know 100 percent. just means yeah. you can't pray for them publicly at a mass or something
2: like that no but i'd say the church i think that's a very good point that um we need to yeah get clear of it know what get clear on what happened
1: um which uh, yeah, it's, I'm not as familiar. I'm not trying to cast I, like aspersions on Benedict's memory. No, I don't I, because I I literally don't know. I just know he was a pope during, or, and you know, in leadership within the church during this you know, very negative, yep. time, very bad time in the church. So yeah,
2: if you and if he wasn't pope, he was head of the CDF or he was like the top ranking cardinal in the college. Like, um, so it it is, yeah. I mean. The one thing that I will I will give the only thing I will say, you know, if we're like trying to raise reasonable doubt as to how much he knew and, you know, I, I think using his own words, I think he has pretty consistently, you know, said he tried to do the right thing. And mm-hmm. um but when when I think about how many different orders there are within the church, how many hundreds of dioceses there are within the church. Sure. Yeah. And it's more, it's, I mean, it's a massive, um, hierarchy, Mm -hmm. um, bigger than probably anything in the world. Really. When you think about how it's a super structure, it is a massive superstructure, which is, it's very efficient in the fact that it's very well organized in its hierarchy, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, you're dealing with a lot of stuff and there's no way you can have eyes on every single thing at all times. Yeah. Um, but I think the response to that is, but it seems to have risen to some very powerful people. Yep. It wasn't just your local parish priest yep. in like middle of nowhere. Yep. It's like the most powerful
1: Cardinals in the U S yep. you have like McCarrick. Yep. And, yeah. And individuals like that. Yep. 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 So, yeah, uh, but you see, uh, it was funny. Um, father Thomas Reese, uh, who was the editor in chief of America a while ago, uh, yeah, this article essentially ripping on Benedict <laughs> saying like Benedict was trying to suppress him. Um, and so I sent that to Clark, that uh, the, uh, the article to Deacon Andrew and his response was the idea that Benedict was harsh on anyone <laughs> is laughable. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I don't yeah. know as much about suppression. Like this is, the yeah. point. I saw um some Dominican on Twitter was talking about this, about the whole idea that Benedict like snuffed out, Uh, religious descent yeah and he was just saying like guys if some person tries to teach astronomy in a university based off of like ptolemy's principles of like the world or the stars they're gonna get disbarred they're gonna get kicked out they're gonna lose their license like this is this is like you you have to take your own theology as a science seriously. Yes. Or else you, like, just nobody's else, like, it, it doesn't work anymore. It That's just, right. It falls apart. Like, yep. you have to become a Protestant if you do, don't want to teach Catholic stuff. Right? I go literally. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. You can go te- find Episcopalians, like, go hang yeah. out with them. Like, this is yep. why God created them. Yes. <laughs> you can go hang out. Um, yep. And it was funny because Marie um, said this, is like, a long laundry list of complaints about Ratzinger, um trying to, like, kind of essentially going after him never communicating with him directly or blah, 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 whatever. And he mentioned something about, he's like, yeah. So I tried to have people on different sides of the wafer war, which was giving communion to, um, to, um, uh, Catholic pro-choice politicians. It's like, dude, it. you're a priest. Like ex- he I called it the wafer war. It's like, bro, like, I mean, I father, <laughs> father, <laughs> like, what <laughs> like i get the alliteration is kind of catchy but, like the way oh. or like I oh. like it's just, that's just so cringe Like, guess so cringe it's like you're a jesuit am i being just, too scrupulous to totally, say that it's borderline just, blasphemous i mean <laughs> it's not i mean like if someone said so a catholic priest who's part of a religious order Called giving communion to pro-choice politicians the wafer war. Which order? I'd be like Jesuit, yeah, hundred yeah. Jesuit. Yeah, like they're yeah. like actually a Dominican. Like the oh, shit. No, I'm just kidding. Like, not for no, yeah, Not <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you're lying. Um. Yeah, he called it the wafer war. I'm like, oh, guy, come on, bro. <laughs> so lame. Where did they go wrong? <laughs> like, what are like,
3: you doing? Like,
1: like, do you understand how boomer and cringe you sound right now? <laughs> like, the anyone is,
3: else who's our age who would call
1: it the wafer war is like not part of the church and doesn't give a shit anymore. Okay, nope. like that's that's the scenario that we're dealing with. This is the dynamic in the church right now. Every yep. other Catholic who's like our age who would call it a wafer probably either. A doesn't care, or yep. B is in the process of starting to care again and is yeah. going to end up going to the TLM like yeah. in six months. Okay. <laughs> yes. like, this is the trajectory of the, of the person who's like, you know, our age who's calling the host the wafer. They're either oh. don't care or they're moving towards the TLM. <laughs> right? Like, that's just going, this is going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That dude. is, yeah. Well, so, and this is, I, I've had this.
2: these moments where I see people acting this way. And I'm like, why would you, if you don't believe in the church is like prime teaching, one of the like source and summit of our faith is the Eucharist.
1: I don't think he would deny it. I think it's just an alliteration that he liked. If you believe that is the body and blood of the, of our (laughs) Of the about of god well that's a lot of lot of a lot of statements come from you who just denied the church's role in salvation oh yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> um
2: but no like, I get your point yeah like why <laughs> like if you if that's like yeah look I mean they like to be very um flippant I I've seen it it's it's a definite and i don't know where it comes from and i don't know if this is just culturally jesuit or you're kind of is, like this is
1: what happens when you imagine things <laughs> I'm just, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, spirituality is based around imagining as opposed to like scholastic principles of logic just, i mean i don't know I, I, to, I don't want to just cast dispersions on, on no things. no no i mean
2: look i mean it's... Francis Xavier, I mean, they were serious spiritualists who established a very serious order of missionaries. Yeah. Like, it was the Jesuits who took Christianity to the New World and to Asia. Like, yeah, it it was, they were no joke. Um, But something happened. uh, I forget the year, but something weird happened. I don't know. I like, it's uh I, but,
1: but we have a Jesuit Pope too. That's true. Have, we, we have too. a Jesuit Pope. But again, but this is the thing. This is where with Reese, because I read Reese's stuff every once in a while. And I also, yeah. I follow him on Twitter. Um, it's always funny when he he's like, look at this political cartoon. It's always making fun of the Republicans. And it's like, dude, like at least at least try to put up the charade that yes. neither party really legitimately encapsulates the Catholic position, which is like technically true. Yeah. At least try to keep up the charade that like Martin does, where he's like, Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, like I neither of them. It's like, okay, at least you're at least you're not being so overtly inside yep. of this. But um like, yeah. In that same article, he was talking about how Francis has opened up the church to the breath of the Holy Spirit. Like I honest I argued with Andrew about this. And he thinks that like some of these people like they literally can't believe this. I'm like, "No, dude, they literally do believe this." Like when you have Patent Ryan, a uh, Parent Ryan, who's the Jesuit parody account because he doesn't want to call himself Father Ryan because that's yes. That's patriarchal, so he calls himself Parent yeah. Ryan, um, like, no, like, they're this is kind of this is literally what they believe. Like, I really think they believe these sort of things can change, and like, this is the way we should describe the Eucharist, and like, like this is the way we can. like. So, you know, okay, this is I my question. I honestly think this is what they believe. I, I remember arguing with a guy who was very much of the Jesuit position, and his argument was. Francis is a pope, so that we're not being led around by our noses anymore, and we can start to make our own choices. And that's him as a shepherd. I'm like, no, dude, that's not what a shepherd does. A shepherd doesn't say, oh, no. yeah, sheep, go do whatever you want." Man, there might be like some wolves over there. There might not. There might be a cliff. There might be that's some right. good grazing. Ground. I don't really freaking know. Make your own. Like,
2: go getting by modernism. Have fun. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like, well, what if Taylor Marshall is one of those wolves? <laughs> he, <laughs> he might be. He might, might be. Like, not- he might. like his Twitter is pretty cringe, to be honest. Like yeah. it's like day twenty-five. Who has their like Christmas tree? I'm like, dude, stop asking me about my home decor, okay? Yeah. Shut up. Don't you have something else better to do? <laughs> like, yes. come on, seriously, dude. Um but like like dude, no, like that's this is literally like there has never been a time in the church. When the leaders of the church have been like, you know what, man, just you be you, go do it, whatever, you know? Oh, St. Paul, like, handed someone over to Satan for, like, hanging out with his dad's widow? Nah, <laughs> forget it, just forget that part. <laughs> like just, It's like, just, like, whatever, man, just, nah, not a big deal. Drinking judgment upon yourself at the Eucharistic feast? <laughs> Who cares? That's that's like pretty cold, man. Paul's a cold dude. Like, I just like I just no, dude. Like that's not well, so that. So Thomas, this is what I I don't get, and this is what I, I
2: If we don't believe in the teaching authority of the church, mm-hmm. if you're like one of these people who's like basically kind of bought into this very much post enlightenment idea that like we can determine our own truths and things like you know all of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're going to remain Catholic. Mm -hmm. like what, like why I don't understand why you remain Catholic. Why, like, what is it about remain? What it like, if you don't believe in the church as this institution established by Christ that has maintained its truths throughout, you know, the 2000 years of its existence, Mm -hmm. why do you go to church every Sunday? Like what, what, like what, like if I didn't like, I'm not trying to say that, like there's that my faith is only based on like this small thing, but it's like, if i was so like i wouldn't waste my time it's kind of like Mm -hmm. you know like if i thought that this was just kind of a social club or like a eastern philosophy that i could kind of like
1: yeah muddle my way smoke some weed and be like yeah you know what the buddha says
3: yeah like like, bro like that's so related to what you know jesus he's a socialist yeah man like like, what i understanding when i talked i was nice to this homeless guy man it was like told me what Confucius once said. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: I think, you know, like he would have been a Stalinist
3: and, you know, it's like,
2: it's like, uh, so like, so do you know the answer to this? Like, what is it? Is it like, because not that, I mean, I definitely enjoy going to church, but if I didn't believe in the church's teaching, yeah, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. spend an hour and a half every weekend and maybe that's why church attendance is down. Is because that's what I mean. People don't. Yeah. But like, why stay in the fight? Of, like, why be in it? Like, in fighting and like causing problems if you don't even believe in the thing? Like,
1: like. What? I, I, so there was um there was one interesting uh, podcast episode I was listening to, um, me. It was Andrew Sullivan, um, who's again he's, he's he says he's Catholic, um doesn't like it has some serious issues with that um but he had on this guy who was a writer for america magazine and the guy was gay and he was married to a to another guy married quote okay and he this guy brought up that same point that him and his partner tried going to an episcopalian church for a while um but they both came to the conclusion that the Episcopalian church didn't have enough center, didn't have enough focus on the Eucharist. Right. And that that was missing for them. And that because of that, they continue to go back to a church which they were like, which was very supportive um, of them. I was like, okay, yeah. like I'm, I'm sure I'm going like, I'm sure you guys are going to just like some really Jesuit church, aren't you? Um, but it was interesting listening because the guy really did seem to believe in the Eucharist. Like he seemed, okay. maybe he wouldn't, yeah give it i mean hopefully hopefully he wouldn't call it the for war <laughs> yeah um, but he really did seem to care a lot about it and that that was something that was missing in the Episcopalians. so when i ever i was joke like that's literally that's a good what program. god made episcopalians for like yep. yeah that's kind of funny but also in this guy's instance it wasn't it was like that's yeah not that wasn't so it does say something to the sacrament, that's a good point. but it also is like So that whole issue, that whole side of things that the Jesuits, I think, very much want things to change.
0: Yeah.
1: um, I don't know. Not that I'm like shaking my belief on it, but I'm not quite sure what's the correct way of of talking to individuals like that guy. Well, so what experience with that?
2: You know, I think what's so important to. Like. If you have. I well I don't know how active he is in the poli- like I don't know like how who this what what else this guy is doing in his political life mm-hmm. you know so, but just basically based on your story
1: yeah from the garbage interpretation remembrance of it from like 2 years ago
2: <laughs> exactly but so mm-hmm. if we're just talking about a you know a gay man who you know is dealing with that part of his life but is also still drawn to the Eucharist i find there a major difference between Every sinner in the world who is trying to remain close to God, Mm -hmm. as opposed to people who are remaining in the church, but seem to be actively denying the truths of the church. Yeah. Like I can see you're, you're, you're a fallen human who is like Mm -hmm. trying to be better than somebody who thinks the church needs to change to fit you. Yeah. And you're actively acting like all the Catholics who are
1: well it's here, it's, this no, but this guy clearly wanted the church to change his teaching on same-sex unions. Like okay. he clearly wanted this. And so, but this yeah. is the interesting thing of when you have this when you have this thought process with it, is like again, I'm sure someone else could describe this better and get yeah. like Andrew on again, he'll discuss about it ad nauseum. Um but i really like the way the more i continue to think about it with the eucharist with what it represents within not represent what it is within the church like what it is between christ and the mystical body like this yeah. is all placed within gendered terms yeah it's all placed within a greater understanding of of christ as the bridegroom and the churches uh yeah, the as 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 the bride yeah. like this is this is all placed within I don't want to say a, a straight relation, but it's all placed within this really intensely. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say sexual, but like within that covenant. Yep. And that if you you want to deny that concept of the covenant between a man and a woman, it's it's going to eventually affect your understanding of the Eucharist, because the Eucharist itself, as Christ's body and blood that He gives to His church, is yep. still couched within. That covenant exchange between dissimilar—I don't want to say parts, but dissimilar groups, complementary groups, but different. Groups. Yeah, complementary but different.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was kind of my thought. Was like, you mean like dude, like I like I was like, well, it was it was interesting listening to him say that because yeah. like, yeah, I mean that's that's good. Like that's moving in the right direction because Episcopalians probably suck um <laughs> maybe they don't i've no idea um, and beautiful music fair enough fair enough they're just they're just anglicans that just didn't know how to stay true to the our lord and savior Elizabeth mean, (laughs) Elizabeth II, the the right, the right honorable leader of the church. (laughs) That's right.
3: Terrible corgis, corgis are terrible dogs. (laughs) Terrible dog.
1: (laughs) But so I guess I just like, yeah, I mean, like, it's like, uh, I appreciate what you were doing, man. But like, also, I I think if you really started to look at like, you can't, you can't take one of the threads out of that tapestry and hope the whole thing stays together. That's essentially what I'm saying.
2: You know that's a good point, and I think that we're. I kind of wanted to couch that topic and bracket it and leave it for, a second, sure. Because yeah. I have a thought, and I wanted to run it by you because I heard I was listening to the pillar buy heard, it, put all your money on GameStop. Oh,
0: yes, um, yes,
2: um, pillar stocks, pillar coin. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should do ETFs. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna do Trad Catholic ETF, and it's just all. It's London awesome. apartments, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's London real estate, Um like yachts in Monaco, the yachts in Monaco, and London real estate. Um, Ch- so Ch- the uh, Chinese high rises, That's Chinese high rises. Um, <laughs> all right. So, but okay. So I was listening to them, and they were talking about Father Pavone. Oh yeah. If you haven't heard, Father Pavone was a uh, active now. pro-life priest, uh, very active on twitter very mr. controversial pavone. what's up mr pavone mr pavone now thank you mr yeah, pavone it's just like can, whatever it doesn't need the church father yep. pavone do
1: yes. <laughs> whatever like we're
2: That's just gonna right. jump the shark <laughs> but you know it was kind of an interesting okay so they were talking but so what i'm getting to is they were talking about laic- laicization and they're saying that even though mr pavone is not to be referred to as a priest and the church doesn't recognize him as a priest and he can't present himself as a priest, God still sees him as a priest. Mm. And because it leaves an indelible mark upon his soul, sure. in heaven he will be a priest. Um,
1: Makes sense, yeah.
2: And they're saying that what's, what's kind of an interesting thing, like you can't be unbaptized, you can't be unordained, you can't be unconfirmed, you you know you, you you can't have i mean i guess you can re sin and you're you'd have to go back to confession um but the one thing that does not survive death is marriage the sacrament of marriage is one that does not survive death and i just kind of now and that's only, and that seems other religions specifically the mormons or the you know the lds they believe it does but it is kind of an interesting thing that hmm. In Christ, in biblical, I mean, obviously Christ said that there is no marriage in heaven, but mm-hmm. it is interesting that it doesn't leave that indelible mark on your soul in such a way that other sacraments do. It's, uh, it's, very, it's very, I don't know. It was just something that I kind of so thought so was kind of an interesting thing that came to me.
1: So do you think if it were, so again, this is going way beyond my scope as a yeah. person of knowledge of anything with sacraments yeah could it be any in any way shape or form linked this is we got to have well andrew's in the holy land right now and he said i want to come on the podcast and talk about being in the holy land oh great we'll we'll ask him this question when he gets on again so if you listen to this episode stay tuned for the next one yeah um or whenever he comes back, he's probably never going to come back. He's probably just going to become a monk out there. He's can live on Mount yes, Carmel. It's he's going to be like, "That's it." Right. I actually, no, actually, I do want to be a Ruthenian Eastern Catholic priest now. I, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, Diocese of Arlington. That's, that's, right. that's it. No, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going, I'm going full, full. Yeah, no, I'm We're going actually, to learn how to grow a beard in the Holy Land. Surprise, surprise. The yes. guy and his like followers who had really good beards really helped me out how to learn how to grow a beard. So I'm going to be an North, be uh, like Eastern Catholic priest now, okay? Because I can grow a beard. Now. <laughs> amazing. I, I bathed in the Sea of Galilee and. I and grow a beard now no. <laughs> 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 but anyway what was i even you're we talking about how marriage says, doesn't yeah, yeah. Death. so yeah my question is is if marriage were to leave an indelible mark on in the soul would that some way impinge upon the marriage feast of the lamb that we already have the indelible mark on our soul of baptism which is as the bride of christ yep to christ and that marriage is simply a foreshadowing of that greater union yeah that was that that would, that, that, that of, would yeah. pop in him. That would, that I'm curious if that would be the yeah, I you know, I think it's um, I want to talk to yeah,
2: Deacon Andrew about got, it. It's interesting,
1: it, yeah.
2: yeah, because I mean, I went, to, I I mean, obviously, I went through pre Cana and we the like my pre Cana was great. And he described the he put it in the full context, basically, the priest, very holy priest, uh, fraternity priest, fraternity of St. Peter. He he took the entire bible
1: from genesis through the apocalypse through, through revelation and just call it the apocalypse revelations is lame it, it, apocalypse it puts the fear the apocalypse. of god into you it's <laughs> it works better. it reminds you of what's to come you exactly know? Um, you reveal like a baby
2: shower reveal like oh no, yeah be, no it will be the
1: eschaton
2: you're yes. like oh, why don't bullshit. you read this
0: thing <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um so the uh So the way he described the Bible was basically one long, continuous love story that ends at the Bible at, you know, at the feast in heaven, in, in the apocalypse. Like it's, and it it was beautiful. Like he, he took out very important passages that were kind of seminal to like, like different touch points throughout the Bible that kind of shows this progression. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really beautiful how, you know, marriage between man and woman is, is kind of um, a part of that story. Um, but it is just kind of an interesting marriage is an interesting sacrament in like, just as like kind of the theology of sacraments go, mm-hmm. it's an interesting, uh, like uh, legally it's kind of like this funny thing where mm-hmm. like, if, if a marriage does happen, it cannot be dissolved. Sure. And then until death. And it's this uh yeah, it's a it's an inch like, yeah, when I just I don't know. I don't know what my full thought is, but I just had that moment of realization <laughs> where I'm like, well, this is the only one that doesn't really survive. Hmm. Death yeah. death, yeah.
1: where is your sting? And it's like, haha,
2: marriage. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and <laughs> right. I, so when I've gotten into this argument with my or, or discussion with my LDS friends, like Everyone in heaven is going to love each other so much that there isn't going to be any kind of exclusivity, not in a sexual mm-hmm. way, but like, kind of like, sure. we're all just adoring God. There's no need for marriage is kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. Um But it, I don't know, like the, I, I think it's like that you're like, does your soul, is it a married soul or isn't it because like your yeah. even like your soul yeah. survives death yeah and your soul was the one that made the covenant mm-hmm. and is the sacrament like i don't know i i have to read, read, read i have to like read the catechism and
1: like kind of get back just into listen it listen to the catechism in a year with other that's much. what i'm doing <laughs> we're just yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. do you want to put a pin in that we'll ask andrew yeah, let's do it andrew about that but i'm gonna pause and i got another question yeah, for yeah. you yep Okay, cool. So it was a question, is a something I read in a book. Won't describe say what the book was, but it was the whole concept. You know, a lot of people tell you you should be yourself. You know, just be yourself, man. Just like do whatever. Like that's that's fine. And sometimes I've thought that makes sense, and then sometimes I've also thought that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. I've I've always gone back and forth on the whole idea of whether or not you should just like quote unquote be yourself, because like, what really is being yourself? Yeah, like. I am a different person talking into this microphone, hanging out with you, doing this podcast than I am when I'm by myself yeah, or yeah. when I'm talking to my parents or when I'm talking to my colleagues or when I'm talking to, or when I'm talking when the microphone isn't right. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, this is like there's, a, there's a whole host of things that you present yourself in very many different ways. Um, sure. I could tell a story about Matt Fred, but I won't, I'll, I won't belabor the point. Um, okay. So. This book I was reading, and it was essentially saying, "Don't be yourself, okay like, don't be yourself and so the the paragraph that made me stop and think and it was the top of the paragraph was "Believe and so you shall become the hardest distinction the uninitiated have with the just be yourself dynamic is that personality is malleable. Personality is always in flux. The person you are today isn't who you were two years ago Mm -hmm. or the person you'll be two years from now. There are traits and characteristics we may carry with us for a lifetime, but even those are subject to change depending on our circumstances. You define what being yourself is at any given moment, and it's relative to your personal conditions and environment. So I didn't know what to do with that because in some ways it seems a little bit too Nietzschean. Where it's like make yourself the Ubermensch in every situation that you're ever in, mm. but then also part of me is like, no, oh, there's a, there's an element of truth to that.
2: Well, I think another way you can look at it instead of the Nietzschean approach is you can take it to be be a saint no matter what situation you're in.
1: Mm. Flipping it there. Hmm.
2: No matter your circumstances, your or you should order your actions. No matter your disposition, your I, I. So what I will say is, just be yourself. Is terrible. I. I will say this. I think just be yourself or do what makes you happy. Are ter- is terrible advice. Mm-hmm. I don't think that. Now, do what's best for you mm-hmm. is the correct advice. Have a beer mug have pot. a beer mug that's it's very good. Pot. Pot. These are good things yep your pot um but so that like I am in agreement that if somebody tells you do what makes you happy or just be yourself, you're kind of limiting your potential for growth mm-hmm. instead of saying push yourself, push yourself into new territory, become something more than what you are you're saying well just stay who you are which be true to yourself in so that you are staying true to your um your principles Mm -hmm. and so when faced with a a a situation where you are challenged morally or ethically or even professionally Mm -hmm. you strive to hit that which is
1: Best, hmm. but I don't. So go ahead. Yeah. What no, no. Actually, hmm, now you've kind of changed my perspective on it a little bit because the other things I've read in this book are very Nietzschean. It's yeah. very much like grasping to power, um, yeah. and kind of self fulfillment in oneself. But now that you mention it, there is a way that you could, I think, interpret this in some sort of sort of like virtue ethics. Yeah. Where you, you never should really be yourself, but you should only be yourself as directed towards the highest good. It's very Aristotelian. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he would, but think that, but this author, but. Oh, I no, 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 no. Memory. Like, but yeah. if you
2: flip it and you, yeah. and you consider Aristotle's approach to virtue and vice,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, this is, I mean, that is what Aristotle essentially said is that, you know, yeah. every action should be ordered to the highest good. Yeah. Um, and you know you have perceived goods sure but what is truly good you know is something else and mm-hmm. so i'm I, i'm not a so yeah that's kind of my take on it i think that there's like the danger of like this grasping the power, i i don't and this I mean, is like- not just me trying to pontificate and like tell people that they need to like wear sackcloth and be like perfect mm-hmm. i just don't see other than, um, I don't see the fulfillment mm-hmm. in that approach. I, I just-
1: Wait, in which approach? In, in the Nietzschean grasping to power approach to, I so- I mean, I think there's an appeal to it if there is no God and there is no higher good. Like, if there, if there truly is no higher good. Yeah. Then why don't you make yourself in some sort of like- in some sort of like the highest being amongst others, why wouldn't that then end up being to that? which? So I not, think not, my, I'm not saying that should be, but I'm saying if there really yeah. is no God and there is no moral code and there, it's all just kind of like power constructs. Why not make yourself the highest power construct? So I think that even within a power construct
2: society, mm-hmm. so like even within a, we're removing Christian morality from our society.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, all I, it's, it's all just evolution. It's all just society.
2: evolution. And this was something else you talked about off the off air. Mm-hmm. I still think that we're we sure you up, want
3: to say this? I'm just <laughs> just
2: no, I what I'm gonna say is I still yeah. think that we end up where we are, um really? evolutionarily speaking. Without with monogamous just, with monogamous monogamous groups, really? uh, monogamous pairing. um I don't huh. I think evolutionally so this is my theory on this, huh? And i this is why. Because when you look at polygamous groups, young men are always killed or driven out of polygamous societies. Sure. And then they it does not last because it is so unstable. There's no the men in those societies need the stability just as much as the women do. Sure. Because they there's a lot of violence associated with polygamous societies. Mm -hmm. There is safety, even for the men, even for the strong man who will one day become old in a society where he can trust his sons to protect him as he protected them. And in a society where he can trust his group, his his, surround his, the people around him, because he allowed them to live happy lives as well. Interesting. And I think that that is where we ended up even, I think Christian morality draws upon that but I do, when you look at the groups who were polygamous, they were very violent and they were not prone to survival in the way that they were.
1: So uh, monogamy so. is essentially best for group stability is what you're- I referring. think that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say the pushback, but the observation, I saw this on the internet, so it might not be hundred percent true, but it was something like for every one male ancestor you have, there's 18 female ancestors. Um, so you have more, you have a more, you have a higher variety of female ancestors in your DNA. Oh, well, just because there's more women than men in general, right? No, no, the, because there's generally over the course, this is, again, this is the argument over the course of human history going back into like not just like the past 200 years, but like yeah. past tens of thousands of years. Sure, there have been fewer number of men than women. Right, it, yeah, been yeah. able to procreate that women are not like all women, but women are generally able to procreate and that fewer, like less often men are able to procreate. And that, yeah, but your when ancestors you go, when you go yeah, through the just, DNA. Everyone has the
2: same number of ancestors
1: or like. But, so for example, everyone in medieval, they've made this, some people have made this argument that everyone in Europe can trace their ancestry back to Charlemagne. Oh, I, so, oh, okay. or that like, we're in, talking, in I, I or like you. in Asia, right. More like we're, most people can trace their ancestry back to Genghis Khan. I see what you're saying. I, yeah. I see there,
2: there's those um kind of choke points in the genetic, in the family tree.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That it goes back to these, I don't want to call them like chads. Cause that's kind of like, it's kind of like a little immature to do that. But like, I there are these, these elements, these, these male figures who, Due to the, I guess you could just straight up call it imbalance between yep. male and female uh, reproductive abilities. Like there are some men who have just, if these choke points, like you mentioned, have just yeah. had larger impact on the genetic sequence. Right. Which is and really def- weird when you think about it. <laughs> like when you're just like, when you yeah. like really think about like what that means, you're like, that's really weird. Dude. It like, is weird. Um, And yeah.
2: I think that it's a good point where humanity has survived periods of, I think, well, I think, okay. So what I'll say is just like with any evolutionary process. And if we're talking about society as kind of this evolutionary process that has shifted, the construct has shifted as we have evolved, like Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, evolved Um, Mm -hmm. at certain points. I think that if we're removing Christian morality from it, it is probably most effective for that specific period. Mm -hmm. I think that that is probably, if you look at, you know, Genghis Khan, he was like, I think it works when it... What am I trying to say it worked for a short amount of time because he didn't live more? works than that in a time. very limited, yeah,
1: non-moral judgment sort of
2: non-moral way. and for like one yeah. generation, because mm-hmm. none of his sons proliferated as fast as he did. Or as mm-hmm. and so, yeah, for one generation, Charlemagne and Genghis Khan. And if I, I think even mm-hmm. like Solomon probably could, you know, yeah. or
1: Sol- there's a lot of stories about Solomon. Yep.
2: Having like hundreds of children, like yeah, Mm -hmm. if not more, like, so you have these points, but we never hear, oh, but he, and then his son also had hundreds, if not thousands of children as well. That it's a one, it's a one-off. It seems to be a one-off as far as Mm -hmm. I can tell. And so for society, if we're talking about sustainability of that lifestyle, it seems Mm -hmm. to only last for a very short amount of time. Interesting. And these guys typically end up getting killed. I don't. Charlemagne wasn't killed. I don't
1: think. No.
2: But but it's not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. I get what you're saying.
2: But people tried to. I mean, people yeah. were certainly trying to kill him. Um, yeah,
1: that's true. So
2: that, that's uh, that's kind of my pushback on that. Is, okay.
1: I don't know. Like I, so I go back and forth to this because part of me always thinks like if you become an atheist, because by the end of 2023, we're both going to be like. Arguing about Hitchens versus Dawkins or something. Oh, exactly. Um,
2: Thomas, <laughs> there is a gun in my safe. If I ever get to that point, I want you to use it on me.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> like, we have to move to Canada to get this done, but uh, like, <laughs> the assistant suicide done. We gotta move up to the warm embraces of Justin Trudeau. That's right, another oh, really man. alpha male up there in the north. Yep. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, but so no of moral. Fidel society.
2: Castro. Um... <laughs> hey, another choke point in the
1: <laughs> And for world leaders, especially yes. up in the Great White North.
2: Um... Um, okay, so <laughs> yeah, no moral societies, no yeah, morality.
1: I, I don't. I don't know. I like part of me really. What interested me, and then I shouldn't really admit this on air. What really interested me about Game of Thrones, yeah, is yeah. Game of Thrones, has like the. Allure of like a medieval society. Sure. And part of me like really thinks though it represents. I mean, maybe maybe I'm like speaking on my ass here because I don't know Roman society as well as I think I should, but it really seems to be a pre-Christian classical society. Romans it's or like,
2: Roman society is
1: yeah, or, or yeah. like a very much a might makes right sort of world. Oh yeah, sure. And it's it's yeah. like maybe maybe I'm not giving the Romans, maybe the Romans were more. More moral than we give them credits for, uh maybe Game of Thrones is really just like a Nietzschean postmodern dystopian hellscape, like with a medieval skin on it or something. Like,
3: oh, they have swords oh. and break, so that's like a Middle Ages. <laughs>
1: it's like no, it's, it's completely different, my dude. Um, so, but part of me really hmm. does like when you read Nietzsche's Generation of Morality. Yeah, he really locates where history went wrong. With mm-hmm. Christianity and with Judaism, or specifically okay. first with Judaism, and then Christianity as essentially, if Judaism is the poison, then Christianity is like the carrying mechanism. Yeah. Poison, that yeah. weakness is actually strength, and that the proud and the powerful should subvert themselves to the priestly class sort of thing. And so part of me always, whenever I watch Game of Thrones or watch clips of it, it really does yeah. seem to be this like classical pre-Christian, pre-Jewish society where it's like, no, the one who is strong and powerful holds like holds domination and it moves from that. And so I do like that pushback though, that it doesn't actually build stability to have that kind of a society. And so that is kind of the pushback that it, that I'm thinking through now. But part of me has always thought that no you you move back to some sort of like pre-jewish pre-christian formula yeah without christianity or without christian if we're using a nietzschean perspective yep the jewish christian contribution of weakness as strength kind of sure. thing. yeah how did we get on yeah. this from talking about being yourself <laughs> well i think
2: we made a move like i i forget what the move was know. but it was very natural i i think that
0: Mm-hmm.
2: it's i mean i can appre like i think what is important for if we're going to i think what nietzsche is responding to is you know i think i, I don't want to like trivialize his philosophy mm-hmm. but I, I i think that he is probably reacting to a weak generation of men Hmm. And I think that there were probably stronger generations of Christianity that came before him. Mm-hmm. And he was probably looking around him and thinking about like Augustine looking at the end of the Roman Empire and lamenting the end of the
1: Roman civilization. Well, but but, but Augustine isn't so much lamenting it as saying that their lust to dominate has destroyed them. Kind of what you were just saying about instability. He's saying their their, yes. their desire to dominate was their undoing. And if Rome could only have stayed as like a happy city state, then none of this would have happened, which well, I think right. there's a pushback against Augustine there. Like if you don't, yeah. it's kind of a, if you don't grow and accumulate power, someone yeah. else will, and then you're going to be destroyed. Um, so and you're probably right.
2: I, man, the, the Roman, so man I this is a it's an interesting question I I don't think that Nietzsche I I, I don't know Nietzsche as well as I should so I mm-hmm. don't want to make you know I don't want to get up here and say I, like I'm an expert but
1: he is the only post like early modern or like modern I should say not early modern yeah. philosopher that has like made sense to me like if if you okay. take his if you take his priors that there yeah. is no God then you're like okay this is this is this is kind of what makes sense I, I I can
2: I can totally see that especially for the world he was living in. I, I can like, if, but if I was living in a, and I'm not trying to romanticize the medieval ages, but if we're looking at a heavily Christian, but not soft society, um, one that is consistently at, not that war is good, but one that is having to survive, but still be Christian mm-hmm. and has a strong warrior class and a strong um, ruling class mm-hmm. and all of these things where they have married Christianity with um, that domination. So just speak, like that. Okay.
1: Trying to get, I don't think world Nietzsche, world. if he
2: was living in that time, you would have had the same opinions because he's living he would have been tossed on the stake (laughs) exactly (laughs) louis would have (laughs) the old king louis would have got him yep (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't think you can look at louis and be like he's an emblem of weakness like no like now what i think now what i will say is probably true is that nietzsche would look at that and say everybody who is a victim of louis and the priestly class are the weak ones and we need to rise Mm -hmm. up and so I I mean that's probably going to be the pushback from anyone listening who, you know, knows it better. But I just
1: I Nietzsche's dad was a Lutheran minister, so we can blame it on the Protestants. Eh, of course, always <laughs> <laughs> blame it on the Lutherans <laughs> blame oh, it on the Protestants. Always. Um, <laughs> sorry to our two Protestant listeners <laughs> for <laughs> blaming it on you again. You play a vital role in this podcast. That's scapegoat. Uh, which
2: I you know, I pray for a, a christian union across all hall of christendom but uh yeah this is um but oh, man you guys can be cringe sometimes yeah it's because i mean you anyway. had indulgences were a little out of control but look at all the problems the reformation caused. <laughs> like <yeah.
1: laughs> i actually did talk with a former guest of this uh podcast uh josh you went on yeah. a while ago you weren't on this this is when you know. it was still Right eyed and bushy tailed, and making episodes with us. Um, but it's talking about the Reformation, but the argument that like the Reformation was what brought on modernity. And he's like, yeah. No, this is a long slur against Protestants. We we disavowed this. I'm like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> this is probably a good argument for that. It's like, uh, you know, a good uh, argument, yeah. dude. Like,
2: oh, oh, this is okay. So, another oh, man, I was tell, I sent you that, I was, I was listening to uh, I don't know why I listen to this one. I don't even really like it. Uh, the editors from uh, National Review, oh, really? and they
1: were doing like this. I mean, if you don't want to listen, if you want to listen to podcast, you don't want to like. Like, listen to Pod Save America. <laughs> like, oh, that <laughs> those guys are even worse. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, um, gosh, dude. But so I'm listening to it, and they're talking <laughs> about <laughs> Western civilization. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, stop, please. <laughs> but anyway, no, you're talking. You're no, kind of no.
2: having a similar conversation that we're having, kind of like. Uh-huh. Doing a Western civilization, like talking about like things, and they're like, All right, what were the best? And then they really were ripping on the medieval ages, like really ripping on it. And like, oh, it was like the darkest point of all of history, like the plague. And I'm like, Look, a lot of people died in the plague,
1: but like a lot of people died in Asia and the Middle East of... in the plague. Yeah. It was a global phenomenon. Like you think and how many people have smacked di- the US? Well, COVID yeah. smacked everyone.
2: And look it lasted four years it was bad for four years and then it abated yeah. how many people died as a result of the 21st or the 20th century and all of the put like I, I just don't understand like in these were Protestants who were talking basically they were you know was it Michael was a failed attack on Catholic episode? Church
1: was that was Michael Bernard Doherty on that one yeah he was what he was, was very he, quiet. Doing? he was very quiet
0: come
2: on yeah, yeah. I know Doherty Come on, MPD. I know. He, uh, they were all veiled attacks on the Catholic church. Like very, like basically because the Catholic church was running things like it was bad. And, um, oh, they didn't, what they didn't force
1: everyone to wear masks during the plague in the 14th century. (laughs) Oh, guess what? Guess how we figured out about quarantining people. The Venetians. I read about
2: this recently. The Venetians were like, Hey, anybody coming in on a boat, you got to go sit in quarantine for a few days during the plague. That's how they started figuring out that we need to like... Really? That w- Yeah. They were the first ones to... Co- or at least according to history.com, which I... It was pretty... Like, it was cited. Like, they had like a citation for it. But they said the Venetians were actually quarantining sailors as they were coming in with their goods. during You huh. didn't know yep. that. So,
3: huh?
2: I just wish that... Like, so this disdain for mm. like the medieval man as this like backwards, dark, like superstitious person which may have existed in pockets of Europe, but there were pockets like I mm-hmm. want to understand. Venice was a pretty forward city
1: con- uh, yeah. state in
2: well, the medieval times. Yeah. Like,
1: So this I, is the yeah. thing that always gets me about medieval incredul- incredulity about yeah. miracles. There's a Franciscan chronicler who gives a list of seven reasons as to why clerics might make up miracles about relics. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons is so that they can make money. <laughs> like he literally brings in like, see this, we are literally going to become Christopher Hitchens fans. But oh, <laughs> like, this is like, you can imagine Christopher Hitchens going like, yes, the, the medieval clerics uh, invented yes. these miracles so that they could rake in the unsuspecting pounds, of the medieval peasantry. And it's like in right. Salimene, who's a, who's a, you know, a Franciscan and, Kind of weird in other ways because he Mm -hmm. tells you that you know he doesn't love his mom because his mom tried to save his two sisters during an earthquake and not him. Right. He literally writes this down, and so he's very weird figure. But he's like, yeah, one of the reasons why clerics make up stories about miracles is to get money. And you're like, bro, you want to live in the Enlightenment or something? Like, what's going on here, dude? Um. So I just like the whole thing of medieval incredulity is like is is clearly overblown. It is. It's overblown.
2: It's weird, and I mean, I the image that we are all given. Right? We talked about this a long time ago on the podcast. So, if you're new, hopefully, For this is. I I, I was didn't reading know about the th-
1: beer pot, which is almost so The
2: the, uh, the invention of Sicily. That book was amazing. I I mm-hmm. learned so much about it. And when we're talking about Frederick, like what was happening in Sicily was nothing like. People living in little huts and f- like w- like when you're shown like Monty Python and mm-hmm. it's like people like living in pig shit and just like you know <laughs> yeah. I'm a dumbass. It's like no, <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's like yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. that may have existed. I'm not saying that didn't exist anywhere, but there were very cosmopolitan, very educated pockets of Europe during the. And now, do you want to call Sicily Europe? That's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, but there were sure. but it was things were happening during those years within the mediterranean that
1: was not people living in pig shit and not exactly. no one look knows look right. a, hundred, a thousand years from now people are going to be like they didn't know that Y2K was a you yes. know ai yes. plot like what a bunch yeah. of idiots living yes. in a bunch of dog shit and they didn't yep. know like, y 2k yep. was an ai plot it's like they literally thought the machines were just helping them they didn't know that there was a ghost in the machine like what is wrong with them (laughs) (laughs) they literally thought google maps was just telling them where to go and not in a sense directing their lives like (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: well thomas if you uh if uh you ever get to a point where you're able to like write a screenplay or a, a TV series do one on Frederick and yeah, he's an
1: interesting dude. he, he, he do you know? He do you, like so an amazing he, story. Here's a funny story about his mom. Um, yeah, yeah. His mom, Constance of Sicily got married to the uh, son of the Holy Roman Emperor, Henry, the Henry, the six who becomes ends up becoming the Holy Roman Emperor himself. Yeah. But she's 30 years old um, when she gets married. And he's twenty one, so he's just able to drink, or not really. <laughs> <But> he, <laughs> I'm sure he was drinking. At I'm sure he <laughs> was drinking. Um, yeah. So he gets married to someone who's like you know nine years his elder. Um. And so, when Frederick II is born, when do they get bo- when do they get married? They get married in eleven ninety one. Frederick is born in eleven ninety eight. That makes her. What does that make her? Thirty something. Thirty eight. Or Sounds so. right. It's a little too late yep. for me to do mental math at the moment. Yeah. So. yeah. so, well, So okay. So she gives birth in her late thirties. Okay. Um. And so there's these prophecies of Merlin about Frederick II, which say he will be of a wondrous and miraculous birth. Yeah. So if you like the Holy Roman Emperor and you like the union of the Holy Roman Empire and the kingdom of Sicily together. Yeah. You say, oh, that's because a 38 year old or 39 year old, Woman without the benefits of modern technology, which they wouldn't have thought of. But you know, yeah. you can still understand that giving childbirth at age 38 in the pre-modern era yep. without modern science would be a very scary affair. Yeah. A lot of the people who hated Frederick the said, yeah, that's because She literally didn't give birth to him and stole a butcher's child and faked labor and said, Look, I got a son. (laughs) Like, I was like, Oh my God, this is is great. That's amazing. (laughs) Like,
2: this is great. That's pretty. That's amazing.
1: (laughs) That's pretty cool. I was like, Yeah,
2: this is fun. (laughs) This is is what I'm here for. Yep. Here for the the wild rumors and stuff.
1: Yep. Weird, salacious stories. (laughs) That would make an amazing show i mean it would i it, mean there's it, also there's also stories that constance of sicily who's Henry the six yeah um that she gives birth in the marketplace to prove to everyone that's actually her son whoa that she's in the town square trying to push out a kid and to show like look this is actually my son don't you see it coming out of me I yeah like, holy shit like this is hardcore like this it's is very hardcore this, this is this is very different um so yeah, I mean yeah. It's different in a lot of ways. But like yeah, it's like like
3: there's really weird and everyone's just like, hey uh, uh, what if we make another story about Valhalla and Valhalla? <laughs> <laughs> You're like. Oh like are you shitting me like why
1: do we need to make another story about freaking odin and stupid like inbred vikings like yes come on man oh. we got the whole mediterranean right there let's make a story about that even if
2: you want to do one about saladin like in like yeah like,
1: exactly like you like, like, would be it like, oh oh my lady i don't want to be my shield maiden it's like no we, we need to so, stop appealing to that demographic I, yes let's <laughs> There's a lot of Italian Americans in the U.S. and they're very oh. proud of their Sicilian and Calabrian heritage. Oh. Make a story that they will appreciate.
2: That isn't and that doesn't involve organized crime, like
3: exactly.
2: Like oh man, <laughs> yeah. Like don't get me wrong. I, hey, I think Vikings have a fascinating history, but you're right. It's played out
1: in the media. We've played it we're, out. We're, yep. we're done. we literally have an NFL team named after them. Yes. Like we would literally. Like, okay, let's move on to something else. Yeah, we've we've run this gambit enough. <laughs> let's do, let's do and
2: if we're going to do City, you know, so I watched um uh, City of God, right? Yeah, that's the one with mm. uh, Orlando. Wait, City
1: of God or wait. Which one is the one with Orlando Bloom and like the... No, it's not City of God, it's Kingdom yeah. of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven, yep. Yeah. That's what it was. And I make you a knight. It's like, dude, you literally knighted a fourteen-year-old. Nobody cares. No, <laughs> like nobody cares, dude. Go back and have pointy ears and go. Yeah,
0: that
2: Whatever. was so much of that was like unbearable. I was actually fast forwarding through like a bunch of it because mm-hmm. I, it was just moving way so way too slow. But if you only take the parts with um, I'm blanking on the leper king's name, uh, Baldwin the Fourth, Baldwin, and like his it, like him leading armies like. You, you just focus on like the yeah. actual interesting political intrigue of what's going on in the kingdom of Jerusalem and like them trying to maintain power in, in that area. That's mm-hmm. a crazy cool story that I would be yeah. like, I'd sit through a whole movie of all that, like multiple generations of Kings of Kings of Jerusalem. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I don't care about Orlando Bloom <laughs> pretending to be a knight and like going on pilgrimage and all this stuff. Yeah, like, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh.
1: Do you remember? Like, um, of, Like, yeah. Do you remember when he fights that one night by that well? Yes. So like when he gets exiled? So, yeah. funny story, the, that night, mm-hmm. the actor for that night is actually Jamie Lannister. Oh, no kidding. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that that's... Actor. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. There's somebody yeah. random guy who told me, he's like, that's actually Jamie Lann. That's, like, one of his first roles. I was like, dude, that's actually... Well, whoever the guy's name is, he's like, yep. but, like, that's the same actor. I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Cool. No, dude, like So, it was funny, so it was, like, when I was, I was doing this practice interview, yeah. And so they asked me like one of the questions they asked me was like, what lecture worked? And the one lecture that really worked was the Crusades in the Kingdom of Jerusalem because the Kingdom of Jerusalem is this amazingly interesting yep. like kingdom where they have to play off the Shia and Sunni rulers against each other. yeah and they almost get it right. Yes. like they almost get it right yeah. and don't get themselves destroyed by Saladin like yep. controlling both the Damascus and Cairo. Yeah, they almost play it right, and it's a really interesting. Like, it's a really fascinating story of political intrigue and yep. how, like, decisions that are made, what role they play in the rise and fall of kingdom. So, yep. yep. I agree with you. I, we need to make more Mediterranean medieval stories.
2: But I would, if I would fund it, if I had the money, I'd want to see
1: it. I would. I would well, we, yeah. Maybe we, we'll subscribe and yeah. send it to our friends, and then yep. when we get big enough, we'll fund it. We'll, yeah, we'll start a Patreon or something. I don't know. We'll do something like that. Yep. We'll, mm-hmm. All you could be extras in it. Exactly. Just yep. send us an email. We'll we'll bring
2: you. In yeah. There. That's our that's our Kickstarter. If you if you, <laughs> if you fund us, you could be an extra in our. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: Just like the chosen man. <laughs> like you could yeah, be an exactly, extra. Yeah. Serving on the mount. Why not? <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh man. Right. Well, You're I think it was, a, it was very good, Thomas. Yeah. All right. Well, happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>